0: unknown pleasures, Sing Street. This is Off The List. And we are live. Welcome, welcome everyone to off the list. It's Ben this time because that's how we do it. We switch out. This is Off the List, the podcast where we mark things off the list, particularly movies and music or music and movies. Just depends on the week. Like I said, I'm one of your hosts, Ben, the other host on the other side of the computer screen, Nadira. That's me. Yes, yes. So we are sticking to our schedule of three weeks despite much personal pain in our lives. You know, Mm. to be clear, everything is okay right now. It's just everything is also very not okay right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I saw the biggest roach in the history of life in my apartment yesterday. I don't know where it came from, but I was just chilling on the couch, working per usual, and it just came crawling into my room. And I, like... I just, I feel like it was a bad omen. I feel like ever since that happened, you know, my life has just gone downhill. I'm being dramatic. This was yesterday at like, I don't know, 10 p.m. All I'm hearing but, is
0: that the roach was a cursed spirit and brought yes. in a high, you know, level cursed object into your apartment without exactly. you knowing. And so exactly. now you've got all these cursed spirits flowing around and you really yeah. just need you someone know what? to come in.
1: You know what, universe? When I finally have time, a forsaken concept that you don't want to yield to me. <laughs> when I finally have time, universe, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on that Jujutsu Kaisen compendium, yes. and I'm gonna work on it so hard. It's I'm gonna get it professionally fucking bound, and nobody is gonna be <laughs> able to tell me shit. Anyway, this is very esoteric. The two and a half people listening to this podcast don't even know what we're talking about. So let's talk about what we're supposed to be talking about. Then.
0: I mean, look, I would love to spend, we, that'll be our next podcast that we barely have time to record. It's just us talking about JJK endlessly.
1: Yes. But
0: all right, let's get into the topic, which I am going to loosely deem this item as um, punk islands of the 80s. Um, which Mm -hmm. I think is a pretty good description. And funnily enough, even though we're talking about kind of punk and um, the islands being the British islands, and then, of course, Ireland, we're going to start off with our album, which is one that I think most people who will listen to this actually probably know the album cover for, even if they don't know the music, which is Unknown Pleasures by Joy Division you know this is a 1979 release by Joy Division who is one of the most important and seminal bands in punk music they released this and it was their debut album and basically the high watermark of their entire career unfortunately they did not last very long um but the group is consists of guitarist and lyricist Ian Connor Lead key guitarist um, Bernard Sumner, bassist Peter Hook, and drummer Stephen Morris, they formed shortly after, like, a Sex Pistol concert, and you can definitely hear that in their influence Mm -hmm. and what they're Mm -hmm. doing, but they took the Sex Pistol sound and ethos of, like, we don't need to know how to play instruments, like, we can just, like, know what we feel and express that, and said...
1: (laughs) Something that they talk about in the movie we're going to be
0: talking about. (laughs) Exactly. And they took that feeling and said, yeah, I know the Sex Pistols want to express anger. We want to express a dark, dark, dreary British day in the most accurate way that you can feel it. Um, Before I jump in more, Nadira, what do you think about, you know, this album cover, this shirt? Have you ever worn this shirt without having listened to the album and had some pretentious guy ask you, what are three songs by Joy Division? Um,
1: your thoughts? Of course I haven't worn this squiggly ass shirt. Like, <laughs> why would I do that? I don't know. I'm, I was never someone who liked to wear things for things I didn't actually enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um not to say that I didn't enjoy this, which we will get to, but to say that I didn't know anything about this. Like I wouldn't have worn a clash t shirt without having listened to the Clash, you know what I mean? Yeah. That wasn't of me. Of course. You're you're not um, the um Yeah, the like Forever 21 yes. Rolling Stone t shirt. Yeah, mm. that was never me. Okay, so my familiarity with Joy Division is slim. My familiarity with Joy Division before listening to this album was that I knew that Joy Division was a band that white men really seemed to like. (laughs) And I think that that still holds true. I also knew the only song I'd ever heard by Joy Division was Love Will Tear Us Apart. And so here I go, listening to this album, being like, I can't wait till it gets to Love Will Tear Us (laughs) Apart. And um, I was like, I'm sorry. Surprise. Where is Love Will Tear Us Apart? And then I looked up the song Love Will Tear Us Apart. And I found that it didn't belong to any album and had one of the most harrowing, like, subsequent events and backstories in the history of song life Mm. and was like, wow, okay, so love really did tear a lot of things apart. And that's fucking wild. I didn't know that. So mm-hmm. um, so so my first thought was disappointment because I actually really do love that song. And I was so excited for it to be on the album and it just never was. My second thought was that I wish I liked this album more than I did. Mm. And I don't know... There are certain parts of this album that I really, really love. There are certain songs on this album that I really love. And I think the thing that I should preface this by saying is that, uh, dear reader, dear listener, this type of stuff is usually my shit. Absolutely. Like I can vouch for that. This type of, like, 80s British post-punk shit is usually my, like, just just one little iota of a sound, one millisecond of a sound. And I'm like, oh my God, it's the best thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Usually that's how I'm feeling. And so I don't know what the overall disconnect was with this album for me. I liked it. And there are certain songs that I thought were absolute standouts. But for the most part, the rest of it, I was just like, this is cool. I can appreciate why, I can see why it has the reputation that it has. Mm -hmm. But I'm not entirely I didn't fall in love with it the way that I wanted to fall in love with it. It's kind of the inverse of when we listened to uh Joanna Newsom's album. Yeah. And I came in thinking I'm going to freaking hate this and I left absolutely loving it. Yeah. And listened to it for like a month straight. <laughs> this is like I came in being like I'm so ready to yes. be on these like on this white man type time and then I listened to the album and I was like, oh, right, I am not a white man. (laughs) (laughs) News flash. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm very intimately aware of that right now because I'm kind of finding this to be somewhat mid. Mm. And like, no white man who enjoys music would ever say that Joy Division is mid. But it's, but it's not, like, I don't know. I don't know. Some of the songs I really, really liked, and then some of the, the rest of it, I was just kind of like, this is a vibe. I would put this on to, like, study or work, mm. but, I, w- but I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, you know what you need to listen to right now? Joy Division. I don't think that that will ever be me, save for, like, a handful of songs. Yeah.
0: No. So I'm going to validate you Most of the albums that we talk through here are ones that like I have a very like deep like passionate relationship towards and I have spent a bunch of time listening and digesting and I think out of every album we've listened to so far Unknown Pleasures is the one that I spent the most time listening to digesting and thinking I think it must be me. Like, I must be doing, like, I must be missing something.
1: It's Um, not just you, my friend.
0: Yeah, and it's not just me. I will say this. You know, I have spent a lot of time um, trying to understand this album. And I think that part of the reason why, at times, it can be a little bit more of a, like, sticky or hard listen is because what Ian Curtis and crew have, like, done on this album is they have taken the Sex Pistols like very visceral, raw, exciting, like sound that just fills your body and makes you want to move and said like, okay, we really love that idea. We love that ethos. What if we drained it of all happiness and movement and (laughs) and instead gave it this Mm. like pure like feeling there. Because And they're weird because there are moments where like, for example, the opening track disorder, that's a dance drum groove like
1: underneath it. And then Ian, no surprise that that's one of my favorites.
0: Yes, and then Ian like and then Ian comes in with his baritone and it's just like trying to dance to it feels a little bit psychopathic. <laughs> this is the most like scribbled in the side of your notebook um where it can delivered in such a deadpan way that it it can come across
1: extremely jarring. This album to me feels like a collection of David Foster Wallace <laughs> works, which is like, there are some of them that will be some of the like most incredible pieces of nonfiction short story you've ever read. Mm-hmm. And some of it will be like, how is this the same person <laughs> who wrote all that good shit? Because this is bad. yeah, or at, Or at least like, and I would never go so far as to say that Joy Division is bad, but it gives that same sort of pendulum swing of like, oh, okay, this is it. This is really locked into something that is new and fresh and original and really evocative of some sort of feeling or some sort of state of being or whatever it is. And then the rest of it is like, who Like who didn't show up to work that day? Yeah. Like who, you know, like who is the... Who, it it is giving, okay, maybe it's giving David Foster Wallace. Maybe that's, (laughs) maybe that's what, like, British David Foster Wallace.
0: I think that there's a difference and a line between, like, respecting, like, the cultural history of something and then, like, saying how it personally feels to you. And, I mean, I clearly feel the same considering that I feel like every single fall I throw this album on and I'm like, it's going to happen. This is going to be the time. (gasps) Okay. And it just never clicks.
1: Wow. Okay. So every year we should throw it on in fall and we should check in with each other and we should be like, you know what? No. Or maybe (laughs) the next time I go to England, I'll listen to it and I'll be like, I, this will be the ultimate test. If I am in the throats. Of, of misty, rainy fucking England and I listen to this and like in fucking fall or something and I listen to this album and it doesn't hit, then I'm officially giving up on it hitting for me. Yep. But with that being said, like we've, you and I have both said this multiple times now at this point, I get it. I totally mm-hmm. get it. I get the originality of the sound. I get why people, I get why it's so important. I, I can hear that it's important. I can I can hear that it is the result of many things that have Led to the birth of many things and is seminal in that way. But I don't feel like I like I'm not going to sit here and pretend like you're going to take you're going to take disorder and
0: she's out of control and you're going to head on your merry way.
1: Yeah. And I I am going to head on my merry way. And you know what? My way will be merry. Unlike. A lot of what's going on here yes but i also i also love sadness so for an album called unknown pleasures they remain unknown by the time the album ends i'm like did you find <laughs> them not are a sing- you still
0: looking not a single pleasure found on this album
1: no not a single pleasure found like my my guy for that i i identify okay enough of ragging on your people <laughs>
0: <laughs> look I think we deserve deserve a rag from time to time. And clearly, evidenced by this movie, you know, a little bit of a spoiler on how I feel about it, not everything
1: they do is too bad. Yes, not everything they do is too bad. The movie, I don't know if you said this at the top, but the movie that we are talking about is Sing Street. It is a 2016 movie. (laughs) And I think that that becomes very, very important when I think that that will become very, very important to the reason why I think this movie is important. So the movie is Sing Street 2016 directed by John Carney. I gasped before we started taping the show because I had read that it was directed by John Carney before and I didn't actually do my due diligence and research and when i clicked on john carney's name right before we started taping i saw that this is the same irish director and screenwriter who um directed the film once and i am on record as saying that well, he also directed Begin Again, which I have comp, like mixed feelings on, but I'm on record. But is also very in the oof of Once. Anyway, my entire point about Once is that to me, Once is one of the most important and one of the most well done and beautiful musical, musicals like musical movies that I've ever seen. So much mm-hmm. so that it was turned into an actual Broadway musical. And it, my like my thesis about once or the thing that i tell people about once is that it is la la land but it did everything la la land was trying to do first and it did it better and wow oh my god that Wait, is how never, i feel about
0: once you've never told me this, that's so true holy shit have you seen once yes i've seen once because yeah because heather loves once because heather has taste
1: oh sh- yes heather <laughs> shout out to my girl heather um so that's how I feel about once. And so I was very delighted when I literally, 35 minutes ago, found out that John Carney is the same person who directed Sing Street. All of that to say that Sing Street is one of my all-time favorite movies ever since it came out in 2016. It stars Lucy Boynton. It stars um, Fredia Walsh-Pilo. It stars Maria Doyle Kennedy, Aidan Gillen, who we all know as Peter Baelish, Littlefinger from Game of Thrones, amongst many other things. Jack Rayner, who is in Midsommar, amongst many other things. Kelly Thornton. There's a whole bunch of really just wonderful, lovely Irish actors in this movie. It takes place in Dublin. It Is an Irish film and it is set in the 1980s and it is about a boy who goes to a new school where he meets a girl and he decides that he wants to start a band to impress this girl. And that's the whole, that's the plot of the movie. That's like the basic tagline of the movie. One sentence plot right there. But I've never, I've never seen a movie. First of all, there's a lot of original music in this in this movie and i think the original music is really truly just very very good mm-hmm. but it's a movie it's rare that you see a movie that is so clearly written by someone who loves music especially from a particular era only someone who loves the music of the 80s could write and coordinate that Duran Duran scene where they're watching the music video yeah. with the older brother. And um, he says, you know, the jury's still out on the way these guys will go, but they're a lot of fun. And John Taylor is one of those proficient bass players in the UK <laughs> at the moment. Gives them a really funky edge, which I hope they're going to go for. Like only someone who really, really loves the, and like when he's explaining why a music video is important and why they're not just singing live, like only someone who really lived in that time period, who really has a reverence for that music, for, for, every for like Duran Duran for the Cure for Hall and Oates for like all of these bands for Joe Jackson stepping out any movie that has Joe Jackson stepping out in it is a movie that I want to see anyway (laughs) like only that type of person could write this movie and because that type of person wrote this movie and because the movie is what it is I've never felt a movie that by the end of it made me genuinely so happy to be alive. Like the way, I'm not going to speak for you, Mm -hmm. but the way I felt and the way I know other people, like some of my other friends have felt after finishing this movie is that you just got the most, like the purest injection of just dopamine and it makes you fall in love with life and with music and with culture and with like being young and with just being just generally being alive in in a very visceral very sort of pure happy way and i i can talk about how the movie did it but at the same time i don't entirely know how the movie did it like I I don't I can say it's the music, I can say it's the acting, I can say it's the time period. I can say it's it's the wonderful cast and their f- truly hilarious moments. Particularly the kid who plays the band manager, hilarious. Oh, he's but so like good. but but I but even then it's just like the movie really is like the sum of its parts. Is, is the great thing. It is not greater than the sum of its parts. The sum mm-hmm. of its parts has made a really, truly miraculous thing. And I love this movie so much, and I think a part of the reason why, just to go back to what I was saying earlier, I think a part of the reason why it is so popular and why it sort of... It, it was super popular, obviously more popular in England, but it was nominated for uh, Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy at the Golden Globes, and like was really truly had this sort of international claim to fame and is um very widely critically acclaimed and i think a part of the reason why it feels so euphoric is because it came out in one of the most horrendous fucking years in the history of life and so many good things came out in 2016 and i think they are made better because life was made worse and this is just in addition to all of the fantastic, amazing albums that came out in 2016, like this movie is, is just one of those things to me and to a lot of people that I've talked to. But it's also a movie that I know a lot of people have never heard of or I've never seen. And I'm on this sort of like lifelong quest to get everyone who's ever breathed a single breath of air to watch this movie. <laughs> um, I've spoken way too long. I've spoken way too much. But Ben... How did you feel about Sing Street? Did you hate it? That's fine.
0: Yeah, I would say it would be funny if I followed up. The first, well, I do have to give one shout out to one at, um, person in particular. Surprised that you did not shout out, um, you know, Karketty from his really busy political schedule in Baltimore, um, you know, to come and play <laughs> the father. <laughs> okay,
1: that's, that's because to me, he's Peter Baelish before yeah. he's Carcetti. Yeah, yeah, I know.
0: that. No, I had first seen him in The Wire for... For reference, um, Nadir and I watched *The Wire* together, and the father uh, plays uh, Karketi, um who's the yeah. ma- who ends up being, I, I guess, spoiler, mayor of Baltimore. Um, but okay, my feelings on this movie. So I'm gonna reference something very particular that you said earlier in this episode. You know, you talked about how when you went into Joanna Newsom's album, you were like. I don't really think I'm going to like this that much. And then you walked out mm-hmm. being like, I love this and you were rocking it for like the whole next month. That's how this is for me. I, yeah. you suggested it and I actually, I, I did not like no, no of it, but I did know of its like loose existence. And I kind of always seemed like, oh, you know, it's just like not a movie that I think I'll like that much. And boy was I wrong because it's not just that like the sum of its parts is greater than like each individual part. It's also that like, at least to me, some of the parts read as things that like, I don't know, shouldn't even be good individually. Like it's a miracle that they pulled off so many parts of this movie so well. Like it, like examples that come immediately to mind are like the really delicate and, like, tender relationship between the older and younger brother, which is, like, I, to me,
1: like, it's, like, the beating heart of the movie. It's so good. It's partially so good because that is just how so many people, that, so many people owe their music discovery to their older siblings. Yeah. So many people. I do. And, and, I mean, I would like to say that my brother's, Do (laughs) because I'm the (laughs) oldest of three. But it's just yeah. Yeah. Like it's the way they interact with each other. First of all, the way the older brother cares for the younger brother is very, very sweet. And but the way they interact with each other, especially with regards to music, is such a Jack Rayner just plays one of the most like quintessential older brothers i've ever seen in my entire life Mm -hmm. like he is on screen and you know this guy you know him because you've met him or you have one in your family and it's just like the way he introduces i call him cosmo but the way he introduces cosmo (laughs) to to music is like it's just so quintessential yeah and it's so good and it's, it's 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 yeah, no, it's just it's very, very telling of a sibling relationship as well, because you can tell that his brother's opinion means a lot to him and that everything that he knows about music and he ends up by the end of the movie knowing a lot, you know, he makes his, all these very successful, very wonderful songs but you can tell that he owes it all to his brother even so when he's trying to get the one like mu- the first musician that they recruit for the band to join the band and he just regurgitates everything that his brother told him like yep. the night before the scene before it's just it's just it's so good it's so good like whoever wrote that you know it's going to happen mm-hmm. but when it happens you're still like yeah cuz that's <laughs> how this would go yeah it
0: it, it and the other thing That like about the relationship with the brother is I felt like I was so like pleasantly and happily surprised that as it went on, you know, like they definitely like flesh out like Brendan's character in terms of like you know his regrets and things that he struggles with, but you know they never make it this like specific movie about. Him, they always make it at the core like a movie about the relationship of how he teaches like Connor or Cosmo like his music and how he has like carved this path for him
1: um and well he specifically says it he Mm -hmm. says that you're living the path that I carved out for you both of you are and I think that that's it's it's very much a movie for the older sibling now that I'm saying this Everyone that I know that loves this movie that felt very euphoric by the end is an older sibling, like the eldest sibling. Interesting. That is that is perha- that is perhaps, perhaps something to do. I mean, the- also these are all people who love the eighties, but like that is maybe perhaps something to do with it. Where it's, I really really like that scene where he says that because you can tell he's upset and you can tell that he's blowing up at his younger brother you can tell that his younger brother kind of gets it and also agrees in a way, in a way like, like most movies would be like, yeah, whatever. Like I'm, I'm doing this because I'm good at it. And like, I worked hard and I did whatever, but in this movie, he's kind of just like, I didn't know you used to play guitar. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like like that, like that's, that's the thing. Like he takes him seriously. I wanted to make it clear that another magic trick that this movie pulls is that everything about the eighties is cheesy. Yeah especially like this version of it, A- like obviously hit the birth of hip hop and stuff. Not so cheesy, but everything about like pop rock glam rock, etc., cetera, et cetera in the eighties is very cheesy. Yep. And so therefore everything in this movie is, ch- is cheese. This movie is cheese. It's Gouda. This movie is Gouda. It's, 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 um, Ed-um. it's cheddar because we're we're in the u k adjacent something yeah. something, whatever an Irish cheese is, it's that. And it's so earnest, yeah, it is so earnest that by the time they get to like the second, the like middle third of this movie or the beginning of the last third of this movie, and they're walking through the main character and the love interest are walking through this graveyard and there's a slow uh, piano, like keyboard version of Take On Me playing, you're just like going with it. Yep. Like, like, it, it, like the, it, is, it is quite literally a slow instrumental keyboard version of Take On Me as they're having this like very emotional walk through a graveyard. And you're just like, by then you're just bought in. Mm-hmm. You're just like, on paper that sounds like the dumb like that is that come on, yeah, that's that's stupid having maneater by Hall and Oates be in this movie at all, like this sort of like blue eyed so like it's mm-hmm. it's it should be so cheesy. We should hate it so much, but it's so earnest in its love for these things that are actually good that it then is like it just circles back around to being amazing and being very in reverence of this era and everything every emotion that this era invokes
0: the other thing that like shocked me about this movie is how many like really serious themes it tackles and manages it
1: tackles <laughs> so many i was going to say that next actually you took the words right out of my mouth it is so happy and so beautiful while also tackling some of the most ho- horrific there's uh like child abuse uh, well, yeah, but specifically deals with corporal punishment. It deals with parental abuse. Um, it deals with adultery and how that can break up a family. It deals with um, like a sort of being an orphan and feeling like you don't have a family or you don't have mm-hmm. a home. It deals with um, underage, overage, underage. Relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, and and not just the relationship of someone who's like underage versus overage, but also the manipulation of like men and manipulating women and women who have dreams that are then unfulfilled because a man manipulated them. It also deals with, there's even a character who, um, whose father is like in jail and like you get some sort of like small thing about that. There's a little bit of, um, There's obviously, it it deals ever so slightly with racism. And, like, like it's it's dealing with quite a bit. It deals with uh, poverty as well and, like, class warfare. It deals with quite, quite a bit. And it never feels... um, Because the movie is so specifically stylized, both, obviously, visually, but specifically in its dialogue, it never feels like they're laying it on too thick Mm -hmm. or they're forcing it when they throw these things in there and they've somehow managed to like dial the style in so specifically that it feels so natural and it's very impressive. It's very impressive. The amount of things that this movie handles while also having some of the best. And I'm going to say it again, some of the absolute best original music that I've heard in a movie in a very long time the the music is so good the songs get better as the movie goes on because the the band gets better Mm -hmm. and I'm like you like the the progression from like Riddle of the Model to like drive it like you stole it by the end is like hello (laughs) whose brain shout out to Gary Clark man yeah I'd everyone just go watch this movie. Like I can talk so for so long, so much about how good it is, but it's You're, really so special.
0: You know, we talked to big game about your best chance of like liking unknown pleasure. Really, the best chance of you liking Unknown Pleasure is that you watch this movie, and then off of the dopamine high that you have, you then immediately go and listen to (laughs) it.
1: yeah. And I do have Mm -hmm. to say, for for how different they are, and for how different I feel about them, they are great fits. And they Mm -hmm. do name check Joy Division in... Yeah. In the movie, and I think I think it's funny because I think it is when the older brother is like, "What do you mean you don't know how to play? Like you don't yeah. need to know how to play. It's yeah. like you know whatever. Like what band do you think you are?" And then they they also mention it when when Cosmo is like, "I'm a futurist. This is the type of music I play." And the mm-hmm. the the basis that they recruit is like cool, um, like, like oh, Duran oh, yeah, Joy cool, like or like Joy Division. And he's like, Ew. you know, he like <laughs> he's just like yeah, sure. <laughs> um, So they do, they do fit. They're definitely of the same era and of the same overall vibe and tone. Um, Even though I feel differently about them, but they're, they are good picks to like pair with each other for sure.
0: Yeah, I know. I love this episode. Honestly, I've said this to you before, but like, I love the episodes where, like, one thing hits, one doesn't, or there's, like, some disagreement. I think it's good. Keeps us mixed up. You know, we can't love everything.
1: So off the heels of watching Sing Street, I was like, oh, wow. Happy movies make me happy. Maybe I should force Ben to watch another one. And something about finishing Sing Street made me want to watch one of my other favorite movies of all time, which is another 80s movie. If you can't tell, I'm obsessed with the 80s. Um, And that movie is, of course, the classic Back to the Future. So we've got a a movie that's set in the 80s in Ireland. um, And let's just say, like, of the sort of UK and Ireland uh, ideal or vibe. And now we're going to contrast that with an actual movie from the 80s That is very Americana. It is one like Letterman jackets and all. It is very much 80s American. A a roadmap for what people thought or got to know of um, about American teenage culture. And I think that Back to the Future is a classic. I think it's fun. I think that it's another movie that's just like highly enjoyable, it won't leave you with the same feeling of like, I'm lucky to be alive the way that Sing Street does, but it will leave you with the feeling of like, man, like, this is just fun. And like, isn't it cool to just see sort of a representation of teen culture in this era? And also the music, music plays a big part in the movie and is also, you know, full full of some very, very good bops. So, I'm excited for you to see it. And related to the music, our album is. Four
0: by Huey Lewis in the News, which, as anyone who's seen Back to the Future knows, which, by the way, we're picking this movie. You know, like sometimes we pick something that we might have some familiarity with. I weirdly have not seen this movie. Like, it is the whole point of this podcast that, like, I feel like most of our friendship was. Nadir just being like, how on earth have you not seen Back to the Future? (laughs) And um, this is an example of that. Like, how on earth did I have not seen this? Who knows? But I haven't seen it. So we're going to be getting that. And specifically, Huey Lewis in the News play a very, very big role in this. They are one of the most important rock bands for, like, defining the sound of the 80s. Defining this kind of, like, borderline between rock and roll and blue eyed soul in my opinion and i think that they're just a very very fun band and a really really fun thing to like dive into and listen. So i'm really excited for like us to not only dive into this like Americana and nostalgia in the movie but also within the album as well.
1: Yeah, i haven't heard this album. All of Huey Lewis that I know is, like, obviously the hits, but particularly how Huey Lewis is involved in Back to the Future, Huey Lewis plays a a very large part of the, like, sonic structure of Back to the Future and Back to the Future played a very, very large part in Huey Lewis's sort of wide-scale recognition mm-hmm. as uh, as, as an artist, as a musician. And so it's very funny that you said that without knowing anything about the movie because I was like, oh, you just picked the guy. Like, from like, yeah. um, <laughs> the movie, that is the guy. And I don't want to spoil anything else, but Huey Lewis, like, really plays a fundamental role in this movie and my my hope for this is that we watch this and i then can convince you like the next time we're in the same area of vicinity to watch back to the future 2 and 3 Ooh. not necessarily for the podcast the but just as like sitting. just as like for on some on some friend on some friend vibes i mean
0: that's what happened with green Knight, and we all know how i felt how much i enjoyed the green Knight experience <sighs> Don't get me started on that movie. Yeah, we're already <laughs> over time.
1: We already know how I feel about that movie. That movie is my lifeblood. I've talked about that movie so much. I've made friends because of that movie. <laughs> I've also made enemies because of my love for that movie. And yeah, it's, just,
0: it's just one enemy. And they, they currently exist and reside holding all of Northern California at their will
1: to fight you over this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and they are also funny that we mention it a physicist so <laughs> yeah. and with that
0: we will end it here and also we oh last thing they also have breath and infinite jest
1: wow oh wow okay we have to send them this episode
0: yes exactly but with all that said we love you especially this one listener who will get to this part and feel a little bit called out but don't worry we love you <laughs> and we only called
1: you out because we love you and i'm
0: so sorry i downvoted your music lead pick it really was a fine (laughs) song i didn't know bye everyone
1: bye (laughs) no because you know what the problem is with that round off the list is made by ben and me nadira Our artwork is by Rebecca Pearson and our music is by Cedric Hawkeyes.